0: bless them and help them. And Lord, if any or any of our services that are unsaved, we pray that tonight would be the night that they repent of their sins and believe in you and are saved. God, we love you. We ask you to work in our midst. I pray for your help, your strength, your guidance, your wisdom, and, and your enabling for me to teach this lesson tonight. Again, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1. If you allow me, let's go ahead and read all 21 verses and then we'll go back verse by verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor His ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Therefore justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are dead as men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, justice is turned back. And righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries recompense to his enemies the coastlands he will fully repay so shall they fear the name of the lord from the west and his glory from rising of the sun when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against him the redeemer will come to zion and to those who turn from transgression in jacob says the lord As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. This section starts with the prophet responding to the question asked back in 58 when they said that they cried out to God and He did not hear them. And they asked God, we fasted, in verse 3 of 58, we have fasted and you have not seen. We have afflicted our souls and you take no notice. Essentially, they were asking God, why are we calling out to you? Why are we praying And you're not hearing us. If we are your people, why are you not hearing us? And the prophet says, listen, the Lord's hand is not shortened. There are many reasons, or maybe a few reasons I should say, why God may not answer prayer. You've heard someone say, the old adage, God always answers prayer. Yes, no, or maybe. The Bible doesn't teach that. There are times in which God refuses to answer our prayers or hear our prayers because, number one, there might be unconfessed sin in our lives. That is the case with the nation of Israel right here. When they question God, God, why are you not hearing us? Why are you not responding to us? We're going through this. We're Anguish in anguish and we're tormenting our souls and you just ignore us. Why are you doing that? And God says in verse two, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Psalm sixty six, eighteen tells us that if I regard iniquity in the heart, the Lord will not hear me. He will not hear me. If I regard iniquity in my mouth, if you and I have unconfessed sin in our lives, it hinders our prayer lives. You see, sin is a serious matter. This day we live in, it's a big joke. It is a real big joke. And the longer I'm alive, the more I realize I do not fit in this culture. I don't. Um, I am going to be very selective on weddings from this point forward the last few weddings i've done some favors people that were not in our church and it was a big joke uh they had flower guys and it was all a big joke and they came dancing down the aisle and one guy had a fanny pack full of beers passing them out you know it's all a big joke it's all about the big show it's all about the big production it's not about the meaning the sacredness of the two becoming one before christ our culture is so divisive. It is so. Fi- everybody wants to make a statement, and everybody wants to make an argument. Everything. And <clears throat> sin as, is being cast today in not so much as a negative light by the culture, as something that is just a choice. It's no big deal. But may I remind you that the littlest of all sins, Jesus Christ died on the cross for and sin is a big issue. And we have to be careful that we don't harbor unconfessed sin in our lives because it will hinder our prayer life. Case in point, the nation of Israel. They wanted to turn, God's not answering their prayer back on God that God you uh, perhaps maybe you're not strong enough to save us or you're you're not um, you're not uh all-powerful and all-knowing that you will hear all of our prayers, maybe only some of them. And they were dead wrong. The prophet looks at him and says, no, it's because of your iniquity that God does not hear you. Your iniquity. Um, I, back in football season, <laughs> that fella that was playing against the Cincinnati Bengals and he got hit and he, he died for a second on the field. And everybody was talking about prayer and everybody was talking about prayer and prayer and prayer. And, and, and listen, hear me out. This is the way humanity works. People that don't even know God were talking about prayer. And in the immediacy of the situation, the urgency of the situation, they were calling on God and they had no relationship with him, had no devotion to him. And, you know, God miraculously answered or, you know, his will was done however you want to stack it up. But if he, the tides were turned, you know, they would have said, well, see, there's nothing to this prayer. And they had no right, really, to say that. And we have to be careful this matter of prayer and this matter of sin. Sin is a big deal in God's eyes. Oh, it's just a little white lie. No, it's a lie. Even in the church, people are coming to the place where sin's not that big of a deal. You have churches arguing over what God calls blatantly sin and they're saying, well, God didn't mean that. Jesus didn't speak to that situation in the New Testament. He did. He did. So, The first reason that maybe prayers are not answered is because of sin. Number two, busyness. You say, what? Yeah, busyness. Busyness is not the same as godliness. A disconnect from the Father. We're we're too busy to pray, and when we do pray, we pray shallow, selfish prayers. Right? God? God? I'm in this trouble. I need you to help me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And then we pout and get mad when he doesn't answer. We haven't wanted anything to do with him all week, but we're in trouble now. God, we need you. Now, we'll tell you, God is a merciful and gracious God. But sometimes our busyness hinders our prayer life. Number three, we ask amiss. James 4.3 tells us, you have not because you ask not. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss you may spend it on your pleasures. Right? You may spend it on your pleasures. We ask for the wrong reasons so that we can spend the answer on our pleasures. This is the nation of Israel. All three, all three come to a head in this passage. Do you know when Jesus went into the temple, and you remember the money changers and how he overturned their tables and he told them, you know, don't make my father's house a den of thieves. Do you know what all this money changers was? The the whole idea behind the money changers was obviously it was profitable for them but they were circumventing they were making a shortcut for temple sacrifices you can live your life the way you want to we'll have a sacrifice for you you can come and buy it and we'll exchange the currency and we'll make sure that everything matches up under the law right right Uh, There's a certain group of people. um, I won't, well, I'm sure to say it. It cracks me up. They they will not have a phone at their house, but they'll have one on the neighbor's yard and they'll pay the neighbor to have it and they'll use it. Right? Are you following me? You know what I'm saying. That's the way we are. We want to take out all devotion and connection to the Lord, we just want to get down to business and do what we have to do to get by, right? And so that God meets all of our needs and answers our prayers. That's the nation of Israel. And then when God didn't jump immediately at what they wanted, they say, God, are you listening? Are you able? And there are many reasons why God doesn't answer prayer, but it is never because He is not able. It is never because He is limited by anything. Hence, The prophet says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor His ear heavy that it cannot hear. The problem is not with God. The problem is with you, with me, with us. That's the problem. That is the problem. And he says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. When unconfessed sin is in our lives, there is a barrier between our relationship with the Lord. And it doesn't say he cannot hear, it says he will not hear. The prophet says, your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. This is is the real issue. It was the condition of the people that hindered their prayers. It was their condition. You know, there is a disconnect today between who we are and what we do. couple of things I have to tell you. First of all, the Bible says about us that we are a new creation. And we forget this, church. The nation of Israel forgot that they were a chosen, called people. They were called out, not just called out from the world, but they were called and separated unto God. We have been called out of the world and separated unto God. We are no longer ours. We are bought with His precious blood. We are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're a Christian, you cannot separate Who you are with what you do. You see, we like to use the the excuse, "Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. I'm not talking about we don't struggle and we don't fall occasionally. I'm talking about not realizing who we are determines what we do. The second disconnect we have is that we are spirit indwelt. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says, "But you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you." Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you are born again believer in Christ, you're a new creature, created in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away; behold, all things become new, and you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. We are God's people. And we cannot divorce ourselves from God's way and be who He says we are. And this is one of the big issues facing the church today. We have become more interested in popularity, growing, freedom, do what we want, no shame. No, no, um, no accountability. We've grown into that as a church in culture today. We've lost our saltiness. And we blame God. Why, God, why are you not blessing us? Why are, why are our churches failing? Why are churches closing at a more rapid rate than in any time in history? Think about that. There are more churches closing... Now, more than any time in history. So God's people are different. And when God's people are steeped in sin, one of the most dire consequences is God not answering our prayers. Now let's go back to the nation of Israel and let's look at them. Remember, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament that everything that was written in the Old Testament was written for our admonition that we might learn from it, right? And so let's look at the nation of Israel in this text and let's see what's going on. First of all, notice the condition of the people. Look at verse three. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. Number one, they practiced unrighteousness. Not only in their deed, their hands, with their mouths, they've spoken lies. Perversity. That's what's called, that's what he's calling out amongst them. And that's what's evident in our land today. It is. They were practicing unrighteousness. Secondly, they accepted unrighteousness. Look at verse 4. No one calls for justice. No, No one's standing up and saying, Hey, we can't do this. We're God's people. We need to stop the insanity. We need to stop this. No one pleads for any truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. It's amazing to me. I, I, I watched. Uh, I like to watch different preachers, and uh, I like to study how they deliver and how they arrive at their text and all these things. And I have watched some doozies. And of course, my 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 trustworthy partner back there, uh, Mr. Rice, he'll forward me some insane things that churches are doing. And we, we just shake our hands. I mean, I don't even know how to respond to some of this stuff. Uh, the latest of which, there was, uh, at Easter, this one church had a dance team. And they were, the ladies were dressed very provocatively and danced very provocatively on the stage at Easter. And everybody talked about how beautiful it was. And we're talking about Church. I mean, I can see the Apostle Paul. Someone said, you can be sure if the Apostle Paul were alive today, we'd be getting a letter. Just like he did the church of Corinth. But notice this. He is saying, what he is saying is this. The people were accepting as okay or normal what God calls sin. And that's where we are in our land today. There are churches that are changing their stand on the word of God because they can't handle the pressure. They won't stand for truth. They won't stand up. They're accepting what God says is sin, and we cannot allow it in the church. You see, they trust an empty word and speak lies. They'd rather have the big performance and the the concerts. I watched one show one day, and I love dirt bikes. I watch racing every Saturday night, and throughout the summer we'll go to watch dirt bike races if I were still a little... Younger and robust, I would be on a dirt bike all the time. But I'm not, and things hurt a little hard, worse now, if you know what I'm saying. But I watched one Sunday morning, this big church with a big pack full of auditorium, and they had a, a dirt bike doing flips on there, on the stage. And I thought, what does that have to do with the Bible? What does that have to do with the Bible and, current, and Christianity? Said, there's nothing. But this is the condition of the people when they start being... Uh, practicing unrighteousness, then they start accepting unrighteousness. Remember Romans chapter 1? Not only those who do those things, but approve of them also. And as a result, it led them further away from God. Look what he says. Because no one called for justice, because they accepted, it took them down a road. They weren't perhaps really planning on going. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Now they're Birthing evil and iniquity. They hatch viper's eggs and weave the spider's web. Has anyone ever walked through a spider web? Is that not the most annoying thing? I'm not afraid of spiders. I just hate those cobwebs. Man, they get all and you can't get them out of your hair and your ear, your glasses. Is anybody with me? You know how do you get rid of the spider web? You kill the spider. And if you don't kill the spider, you're gonna deal with the spider web over and over and over and over. That's the way it is with sin. You accept the cobwebs and you just move them out of your way, There's always going to be there. But if you kill the root, you kill the spider, you can have victory over the web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments. They will cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands." Have you ever been at, seen a time in our land where nobody values human life, where people would just go shoot people for no reason at all because they don't agree with them? I'm, that's what I'm talking about. It's going on now. Violence is everywhere. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Listen to me. You think it's a small thing that p- people in America that we, we put up and tolerated with little sins and, and accepted it. Now we're dealing with the big sin. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Right? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow, the straight path, leads to life. Straight path. They make crooked paths. And whoever takes that way will not know peace. That's the condition of the people. The prophet lowers the boom on them, and then the people confess their sins. Look at verse 9. Justice is far from us. Because, therefore, based on our condition, justice is far from us. Nor does righteous overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. This is their confession. We're looking for light, but there's only darkness. We grope at the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as twilights. We are as dead men in desolate places. We growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. Here it is, verse 12, look. For our transgressions are multiplied before you. You is capitalized, they're talking to God. The prophet tells them their condition. The people confess their sin. Our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. This is not something we've done in ignorance. We know. We know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, Justice is turned back. They're confessing. They agree with God. The condition they're in and what they're facing is a result of their iniquity, their sin. Before anyone can ever get right with God, they first must acknowledge their wrong. Verse 14, justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. You see, you had the condition of the people. You had the confession of the people. Now you have the coming of the Savior. When they confessed... The Lord saw, he heard, and he looked and there was no one. Verse 16, there was no man and he wondered that there was no intercessor. So what did he do? His own arm brought salvation for him. His own righteousness, it sustained him. He put on the righteousness as a breastplate a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. He was clad with a zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. The coastlands he will fully repay. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The coming of the Lord. The problem with humanity that we all deal with is we have the propensity to want to do things our way. We want to make God like we think. We want God to approve of the things we approve of, and we want God to disapprove of the things we want to disapprove of. As I said, rules. We all like rules. No, you like your rules. Right? We don't always like someone else's rules. We like your rules. I guarantee you, you can take a child and and that sign says, keep off the grass. And when that child can read and sees that sign in the grass, that child will see how far in the grass they can get. You say, my child will never do that. You keep thinking that. You just keep thinking that. The point of this is, and what I want you to see, is this. The condition of the people. They practiced unrighteousness. They accepted unrighteousness. And as a result, it took them further away from God. You do not have another opportunity to live today. It's gone. It is gone. You and I do not have another opportunity to live today. John R. Rice used to say, keep short accounts. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of it. Every bit of it. We need to realize the condition, our condition, and we need to come clean with God. And let me just tell you this. He gives a promise. He gives a promise to the repentant. Look in verse 20. The Redeemer will come to Zion. Will He come to all of Zion? Will everybody that's called a Jew be saved? No. He will come to Zion to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. Those who repent. Those who repent. There's a group going around today that are called universalists. They believe that God is good, and in the end, God will save everyone. Everybody's going to have a time of evil, and everybody will be saved just because that's God and He's good. The problem is the problem with that is that that's not taught in the Scripture. It's not taught in the Scripture. The Bible teaches that God has a way. There is a way. Jesus Christ is the way. The. T-H-E is a definite article. It means one. It doesn't mean one of many. It means only one. And if you look at verse 21, you see the promise to the repentant. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you. My words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants. descendants, says the Lord, from this time And forevermore. We know the ultimate fulfillment of this passage will be in the kingdom age when Jesus Christ rules and reigns. And all of those who are ruling and reigning with him will be those who were repentant, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just say this three things of application. First of all, number one, sin hinders our prayer lives. Sin hinders our prayer lives. I think I maybe elaborate a little more on that than I needed to, but we need to remember that sin hinders our prayer lives. Number two, confession clears the way to answered prayer. There is nothing more incredible on the face of the earth, if you think about it, that the God of all glory, the one who created the heavens and earth, who created you, who hung the stars the moon, given us breath, life, will listen to us will commune with us. There is no greater thought on the face of this earth in my mind. There are people who get giddy over um, personalities, TV personalities and whatever. I remember we were down working years ago, the girls were small, and we were at the uh, WSAZ uh, Home and Garden Show with our 4-H group and we had a little petting zoo there. and. Tim Irwin was there, and my wife was, all, oh, it's Tim here. She had her picture made with him and all this stuff. I'm like, you know, he's a news guy. I mean, to me, it doesn't. Um, I remember I was somewhere, and I remember we were at Jerry Falwell's and Dr. Adrian Rogers, who I loved, Dr. Adrian Rogers, loved to hear him preach. He was there. He preached a magnificent message, and then there was a big, long line where you could stand and meet him, and he signed sign your Bible and everything, and I'm like, hmm, I ain't. St- I, I love him, but I ain't standing in that line for that long, and um but I just want to tell you this. Listen, if you think about this, you have the audience of our, our Father. You have the audience of our Father. Man, why wouldn't you want to clear your heart and be right with Him and spend time with Him? I'll tell you, I have found in my life when I get real busy and I don't have time to start the day with, with, with talking with the Lord and, and spending some time in prayer. Man, my day is... Pfft. I have a poor attitude. I have, it's just terrible. It's terrible. The nation of Israel wanted their way, and then when they got in trouble, they wanted to cry out to God. Confession clears the way for answered prayer. And then listen to this. This is important. When you sin and you confess that sin, you have forgiveness and you have cleansing. Repentance is what keeps you from repeating that sin. How many of us have ever confessed a sin and then did it again? Amen. Every one of us better be honest say Absolutely. You know why we did it again and again and again? Because we might have confessed it to the Lord, but we didn't repent of it. They confess, but then they repented. What we must understand is, to keep our communication open with the Heavenly Father, we have to walk in confession and repentance. Because, I don't mean to say it this way, but it's the only way I know how to say it, you're not that good. I'm not that good. We stumble, we fail, and we constantly need to confess and repent of our sins, and it opens up the way that we can commune with the Heavenly Father. So we as believers have no right, if we're living in unrighteousness or we're accepting unrighteousness, we're too busy for God, we have no right to say, what's wrong with God? He's not answering my prayer. No, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And the nation of Israel liked to create their own problems and then blame God, right? Have you ever noticed that? They had that cyclical behavior. You read the Old Testament all the way through and you see it. They would be walking with the Lord, everything would be great, and then they got lazy because everything was great. They would fall into idolatry or some kind of sin, and they wouldn't confess or repent of it, and they'd walk in that for a while, and God would bring judgment on them. Typically, he would use, most often I should say, he would use a neighboring... Uh, foreign nation upon them and then when they were in the throes of this horrible horrible life they would cry out in confession and repentance and God would bring healing to them and then they would start the whole process over and over and over again kind of like you and me so I guess maybe I would ask this do we want do we want to have that thriving abiding relationship with the Lord? Or do we want to be up and down like a yo-yo? What do you want, right? Do you always want to be battling, fighting? Woe is me. Or do you want to walk in the newness of life? Do you want to live what he calls the abundant life? Jesus said, I've come to give you life that you might have life, and it be more abundant. Not just getting by. Abundant life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I ain't going to smile I mean you talk about people half half full and half empty some of you don't even have a cup I'm just saying you're beyond and many times it's our own doing church it's our own doing may you and I as Christians remember we're different than the world We are indwelt by the Spirit of God. These are two undeniable truths that have everything to do with our spirituality. We have no excuse to tolerate, accept unrighteousness, or practice it. We have no right. Does that mean that we will be perfect? That does not mean we'll be perfect. It does mean that when we stumble and fall, we can confess, we can repent, and we can have ultimate, unhindered fellowship with the Heavenly Father. But understand this. When we are living contrary to what God's Word says, and God is not answering our prayers, it is never Because he can't, it is because he won't. So may God help you, and may God help me to walk in the newness of life. Father, we love you. We are grateful to you. We adore you.